excellent. So anyway, how are you? As well. Yeah, you little blonde minx. Yes. <laughs> I'll get. Let me. The first. microphone stand is rather large. There, the microphone is big, but the stand is like. Is it? You've got someone holding that for you, like a big giant guy holding the other end of that stand. I've um, gaffer taped the kids' mouths closed, and then I've got. You know, they're stuck like this, and then I've yeah. wrapped the stand around them, so they're just stuck like this, and then it has to be like. So kind of like slave labor, really. Excellent. I like to hear it. So how are you? I'm good, man. I suppose we're starting. We're just straight in. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do it. Introduction, but I suppose you don't need one. <laughs> well, no one knows who I am, do they? So it doesn't oh, matter. Off, mate. <laughs> right. Well, like, you know, I, no one knows who you are. <laughs> there you go. That's the other way of it. Not, I, yeah, sorry, man. You don't need an injection. Not because you're famous, because no one knows who you are. No one cares who you are. So no you okay. don't <laughs> We're still that best quote, right? You know, you said the world owes us nothing and I'll take it in abundance. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Fucking hell. Never a true word spoken, man. Fuck. So we'll do what you've been up to, man. You know, um, I know I know we're in fucking lockdown and you were supposed to be touring the world, but what's happening? I'm, I suppose the same as everyone else, really. I mean, I was working, right? And, and then I'm on furlough now, which is kind of like... It's, it's a weird one. It's a little bit like being retired, right? Because yeah. you're kind of getting paid not much. So you're not really doing anything. You can't do anything apart from pay your bills, if that. But at the same time, you can do anything you want to do because you can't work. You can't earn any money. You're not allowed to, right? So yeah. you just go to what you, what you want to do. So I've been writing songs. I've been recording. I've done some collaborations. I've been doing, you know, homeschooling, fixing the house. I was just putting some smoke alarms up just before this. All those kind of things. All the things yeah. that you don't do, yeah, right? Well, what you actually, well you, well, you do do them, but you end up doing them late nights, right? You tend to put yeah. that into your daytime. And then nighttime, you tend to chill out a bit more. So, you know, a bit more exercise in the daytime and, you know, more film. I've been watching tons and tons of uh, Ink Master. That's, that, that's, that's my favorite weird. show. Me and Beck watch Ink Master. You know, it's so addictive. Oh, and it is. End up slate. You just like fucking look at their shoddy line work, mate. Like... <laughs> I know. I can't. Some of it they go, oh yeah, man, and it's like there's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? There's nothing. Yeah, wrong yeah. yeah. I, but and then some, some of them it they is say shocking. is really good, and they're shit. Oh, it's shocking. Some of it is shocking. It's Most like of it they, is shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is. But you know, um, I, I think it's all messed up because I don't know which seasons which. So I'm just randomly taking them off you know amazon prime so i think i'm watching one from 2012 and then one from you know now and one from last month and so it's all messed up and i keep seeing the same people popping up in all different ones and i'm like hang on a minute wasn't he in that season and wasn't she in that season but you know what that's that's the beauty of it isn't it so it's yeah. a bit like being retired as i said it's you know early retirement but it's also a bit of a fantasy, isn't it? Because you know at some point it's going to change back. So you can't get too comfortable with it. You've just got to kind of go, I have, it, it's a bit like um, uh, the time's always running out. And even when you think you've got time, right, you've got to get stuff done. Because yeah. you can't just go, well, I'm off. I'll, you know, it's like every day I have a mission. I have a purpose to do something. And, and, yeah, you know, same. and that, that's what I, I stick to, you know. And also homeschooling in it as well. Homeschooling, that's a, you know. A whole thing on top of that you know so yeah you know it's the funny thing being a lecturer and a homeschool teacher at the same time while trying to write records and do podcasts oh. and stuff it's just like 
yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, that that's the thing, though, isn't it? So in a way, I'm lucky that I'm in this situation to be able to spend the time doing that. Also been doing Skunk Store. You know, like Skunk and Nancy clothes, as you can see, I've always got I've always got Skunk and Nancy clothes on because I I, I create them all, so I get them free, don't I? So um, my wardrobe, uh, I should create Skunk and Nancy trousers or something, jeans, and then I'd have free you jeans. Want socks, as well. dude. Socks yeah. are the ones. Yeah, socks, yeah. but they're fucking so expensive to have made. Yeah, yeah. So so I've been doing the merchandising for Skunk for like twenty years. So, you know, I kind of like, I come up with all the kind of ideas, all the designs and or, or cobble designs together from artwork from albums and people like that. And then I, I work with a, a merchandising company down in Brighton called Noise. Oh, yeah. And then we, we get it together and then um, we put them out. And so we, we put them out on the tour. So the last tour we had on Skunk, we triple, well, probably, probably sold four times that we would normally sell on a tour. We did a killing on merchandise on the last tour. So that was really interesting. And it was all down to a couple of things. It was like, one was, it was really strong designs. They were really simple designs. And the other thing was, it was our 25th anniversary. So when, uh, you know, by the time the, the tour was announced, everything had sold out. So when people came to the shows, they'd bought their tickets a long time in advance. They, they had money to spend yeah. and they all wanted a memento of this 25 years. So it all kind of built up to this one thing, strong design and a good selling point. And then what we did is after the shows, we would come out and we would sign merch, right? Which tripled the sales. <clears throat> yeah, people uh, because people would buy it just to have the signature on it and stuff. Yeah, and, and you know, we would set, we'd sit there until we either, the venue closed or, or they, um, we'd sold it out. And we did that probably one in every three shows. So what I, what I did was with the merchandise from the last tour, I ordered in what I used for the whole tour at the beginning of this tour. And within three days, I sold it out. So I did a whole tour's worth in three days. So then I reordered like a massive stock thinking that'll get us through. And in a week or so, we'd sold it out and then I reordered. So it's like four times ordering. So it was, it was really good. So, you know, it's never a dull moment. And in this lockdown, I've been um, uh, creating new stuff. So I've got like a lockdown T-shirt, which is actually I, I hand drew as a limited edition. That's doing quite well. We had Christmas jumpers. The, right, Christmas jumpers, dude. the yeah. Christmas jumper yeah so that was out um and also uh the the retro store so reinvented all of the old retro t-shirts because I've got all the designs and the artwork you can buy any old retro t-shirt from us now on our vintage store uh and it's all print on demand so it's any size any color whatever time you want it you know that's fucking sick man because so, you don't, know, it's, don't you have an art degree uh, no, I've, I've got, I haven't got a degree, but I, I studied graphic design when I was, you know, at college. And then I did, I was working for a design agency for like seven or eight years doing graphic design and finished art. So it's really in my blood. That's why I always choose really simple stuff, but I can illustrate as well. But, you know, I'm not, I, I never really have time to do really good illustrations. I tend to kind of like doodle. So the, the you know, the latest skunk t-shirt was a doodle I did on a pad like of a skull melting because I thought everyone loves the skull don't they yeah fuck yeah, dude. great but I just I was one of them I was drawing upside down just to be stupid and then the other one I just thought I'm just gonna do one it's just like spaghetti melting or something and it just seemed to work so I put it out and it seems to be selling quite well actually 
It's lucky he didn't do a spinal tap and write down the measurements of the t-shirts on a, yeah. on a napkin and then all these little mini doll-sized t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. No, I mean, I, I I, kind of, you know, it's one of those things for the next tour, I was going to start on it, you know, ages ago, but the tours just keep put, getting put on and on. You know, it'll be like 2022 20, or something like that. I, I don't know. Still You're waiting for this the... year then. No, still wait, waiting for stuff to open up, you know. It's just, we, we all thought it wasn't going to, you know, it's, it's probably the third time it's been rescheduled, so, you know. Fuck. But it's keeping busy, you know, we're writing a new album. Skunk's writing a new album at the moment. We're doing new it. album? Yeah, yeah, we're doing it over, well, we actually started writing it before the lockdown. We were writing right up until um, end of February. Right. Together all together writing this stuff and we were demoing and all these kind of things. And then obviously lockdown came in and we haven't done anything properly since then. So now we're revisiting all of the sessions and we're writing new stuff and we're demoing, but we're doing it online, which is, you know, it's a necessity, but it's shit really, isn't it? I mean, to be honest, right. It's like anything. It's like, you know, musicians is about creativity. It's about connecting with people. It's about bouncing ideas spontaneously together in the room. Yeah. Right. And I don't care what anyone says about, oh, yeah, you, you can't do anything online. You can do absolutely anything. You send stuff back and forth, but it does not have the spark that we need. Right. I've done collaborations with people. They're fun, you know, and they're exciting. But when you're sat in a room with a band of people that you've been with for like 25 years, the creativity factor is like what it's all about. It's a bit like, um, you know, creating a meal isn't it right and you're there and you've got the smell and the taste and the creation and you eat it and it's fantastic you, you know you could watch a tv show about cooking but it doesn't capture the real essence and that's for us where our songwriting really is you know in its yeah. essence really yeah man there's something to be said because what we're doing we we're trying to do some bits and pieces together but i'm still rocking this rsi yeah you know, at the moment which is fucking it's so painful i I could barely hold a mouse the other day, like just sitting out there, just so fucking painful. What about a hamster? What about a hamster? You couldn't hold a mouse, could you hold a hamster? <laughs> <laughs> well, I could probably so you could. got Yeah, 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 yeah. So you got you got RSI. That's no fun for a guitarist, is it? It's shit. Especially when I'm supposed to be like finishing off a record. You know, yeah, and I've got, yeah. and, I, and I'm, I'm doing some session work for people and stuff. And obviously like, um, and we're doing some things together, but I've had to like grind it to a halt because the moment it's one of those things you pick up and you go, oh, it's all right. And then you go and put the click on, you start really tracking it, getting the tone. And by the time you're ready to do something, that time has been spent and your arm's done. Wow. You know what? It's stoner rock. That's the way forward for you then, isn't it? Just really open. Slow stuff, yeah. Really yeah. slow stuff is not quite in time. That's yeah, Stoner yeah. Rock, mate. I love Stoner Rock. I love Stoner, Stoner Rock. Is sick. We should do yeah, a Stoner yeah. Rock band. Oh my god, it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, I love it. So good. Do you remember? Was it Lethargy? Yes. Yeah. 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 I remember those guys. The Brighton lot. Yeah. Then um Will wasn't it? it? Was was singing? He's now in Black Peaks now, isn't he? Oh, is he? Oh, right. They're a wicked band, aren't they? Black Peaks. Really yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm pretty Lethargy. sure it's the same guy. Yeah, Lethargy was like a prog, wasn't it? It was like heavy kind of prog, kind of tool, wasn't it? That kind of stuff. Yeah, we went to go... Do you remember? We, you and me went to go and see him in um, the latest music bar in Brighton. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, after loads of beers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> always. Brighton, what a great place, man. Are you still down in Brighton? Nah, man. 
No, no, I've, oh, yeah, I've, you're, you're... I've, said, I've said goodbye to Brighton. Yeah, it's, well, yeah. it's an amazing place. I haven't been there for ages. Obviously, with the lockdown, I haven't been there for that time, but maybe even a year before that. So it's a couple of years since I've been there. I, re- I miss the place. I think it's such a brilliant place in England. I think it's probably one of the best places in England, Brighton. It's so it, unique. Yeah, it is. I think I'm a bit brightened out at the moment. I think mm. I've had a lot of life-changing things in the last two years mm. and kind of looking at the place it was you know to where it is now i'm a bit kind of distant from it i think yeah so me coming up to like surrey like on south london kind of border type of area it's definitely given me this like fresh outlook on the on and everything i'm I'm like um i haven't even been into the center for a year you know into the oxford street and all so i was always there you know traveling through it and doing stuff and you know, going out and all that stuff. I haven't even been there for a year. You know, it's like I've been quite, quite. Um, I mean, I, I've been. I was in the music college, right? So I was working in the music college. So I was actually going in there because they opened it, and you know, it's all COVID friendly and stuff like that. So yeah. I haven't been like totally holed up through the whole of a lockdown. It's only the last um, month or so that I haven't been going somewhere, you know, because of what's going on and also being furloughed. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I do, I do, I haven't really missed everything. But what I do miss about the whole lockdown thing is the, the going to the pub with your friends, like after work or something like that. Yeah. That that's probably the most valuable thing I think that I had in my life that was cut off because not only was it great to sit in the pub and have a chat with your friends and have a laugh and stuff, it's also a real stress buster isn't it? it's a real relief yeah because you go to work you have a hard day right you you go home and you don't want to take that home and you say something and it just crawls to an argument and all this type of thing oh dude but yeah you, i'm terrible at that as well yeah. you go you go out with your friends in the pub and you know it, nothing really matters again you know it's really you reset and it's really fun and we haven't got any of that at the moment so that i think that's probably mm. the hardest thing you know to that you don't have that kind of um everyday kind of get out of jail kind of conversation in the pub and I you know that that was to me is what I missed the most you know we can still go out I go out for a walk every day and you can yeah. do that kind of stuff but not that that human contact it's not even like that you know when people say oh, I really need a hug and all that it's not that I just need that kind of like life is not that serious conversation with my friends yeah totally talking about gold bars and rustler burgers and shit yeah 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 <laughs> yeah well that's it you know and it's interesting with that because you end up taking that shit for granted and I fuck me I did you know that thing of like you know you get home and you're fucked and you're like oh someone's asking me to come out for a coffee or you know tomorrow morning or something you're like oh just you know nah you know I'm I, I hope I never do that say no to that shit again you know within reason because I just miss just you know like you're right, dude, let's get a coffee and just shoot the shit, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, kind of like this. This has been extremely therapeutic for me and cathartic, mm. you know, because it's like as close as you can get to kind of having those cool conversations. There's no format. It's not like there's some guy going, okay, make sure we talk about this and do that. It's like yeah. just people I know just talking about shit for a yeah, few yeah, hours. Yeah. And, it's, and it's great fun, you know? Mm. And there's but you're right it's the same thing right we're doing that thing in the pub but we're not doing it in person and it's still there's that 
thing of just like going like yeah man and like slapping you well, on the shoulder you, or some shit you know or yeah i mean you know what it is right everybody's always going on about it. it's all the future is online the future is online right how many zoom conversations do you have that aren't you know cracking up and freezing and all sort most of them right at yeah, some point 90 percent right? of my zoom calls are um, dead, uh, and also you know we've been for thousands of years of humans we've been outside doing stuff socializing being around people and all that lot right one year of being online and staying in i don't think he's going to really change the human habit right once once all this goes over i think a lot of people go oh i've had enough of that now great thank god for this and get back to the you know the interaction that they had before there'll be you know it's it's paved the way for making things a bit simpler you know so we've got a lot of apps now that we didn't have you know so you can tap into your doctor and all those kind of things that you couldn't do before so easily so it has improved technology but i don't think we're going to lose the interaction of human beings i think that's been around for too many thousands of years for one year to change the habits right so yeah, totally it did. will be a welcome return i think it, you know and you know what people are like they'll all take it for granted in 10 minutes as soon as it comes back they'll yeah. be like sorry mate can't come out i'm too tired <laughs> yeah yeah as soon as gigging's coming back it'll be like oh, oh yeah i you know i, I promised that i'd you know make up something and do it over there <laughs> yeah, 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 your yeah. show you know yeah, like yeah. oh you know i'm still like i still haven't got much money i can't pay the 10 quid i really you know charge what? on the door yeah i really hope that um obviously when it does come back you know the venues are going to be able to reopen because you know they, they've all been you know having to pay their rent and gone bankrupt and all this type of thing and all the yeah. promoters it's like let's hope that you know when it does open out and there's all these people ready to go you know or ready to play um that these places can actually reopen and and, and do it you know yeah so. yeah i totally agree man i was having a conversation about this just um on another show and i also hope that the treatment of bands from venues is better though you know that whole like get the fuck out by 10 30 i don't give a shit who you who you are worse band is. <laughs> you know? and i thought it was like i was saying that it's quite some funny things really with it where you go um you know they're like yeah could you just get the fuck out of here so we can do our dj 10 30 club night you know mm. and then when the lockdown happens all the venues were like please bands <laughs> please yeah. please please donate your money and stuff like yeah. that which of yeah. course i did you know uh, uh, from the the dolls tour we we left all the deposits with the venues that we had you know one or two of them i took back because they were like in the hundreds and hundreds and I yeah, needed yeah. That. <laughs> but like some of them it was just like you you guys have them you know type of thing but yeah i, I hope that there's a, a more of a synergy working with artists and venues when we eventually come out of this shit yeah so it's, and on top of that you know with all this i mean that's just stuff in it that's life that we're talking about at the moment yeah Musically, yeah um i've been i've set up a really nice little studio kind of thing at home you can see i'm sat in it here so you can see lots of but there's a skull there. Um, uh, so, so it's it's full of gu- all my gear of guitars and amps and all this stuff. And um, so I can collaborate with stuff. So I did the first one I did was a PRS guitars collaboration. That was with um, Jacko from King Crimson and Rob from Jamiroquai and a couple of other people. And we did that thing, you know, did it at home. And I like, literally did that on software, you know, sitting in a room downstairs. Um, and then I did a Pagans collaboration for the Black Lives Matters thing. And that was the same kind of thing. And then I, you know, I was so busy, I was working, working. And then I got the, the Christmas period and it was like holiday time. So I thought, right, let's get all of my stuff back, you know, from the lockups and all this stuff and create my studio again. Because I had all the gear. I used to have a studio before and I had it all yeah. in different places. 
So I just put it all back together. So now I've got this this awesome setup. It's not it's not big, you know. It's got a nice little sofa in the corner, so you can sit and chill for a bit. But you know, really good monitors. Um, I'm using like an Audion interface, which is really nice. It's a, it's a small one. It's the uh, ID22. So nice. A couple of inputs, but nice nice preamps and that kind of thing. I've got like the um, I've got the IK multimedia latest stuff, which is on the market, like the best guitar kind of software um, converter you can get now is called the Axe, right? So I've got the Axe, which is like basically it's got, a, I don't know, some kind of special circuit on it called Z-Tone and all this type of thing. And when you plug into it, it it's like, you know, when sometimes you play into software and it feels a bit wooden. Well, this stuff yeah. kind of balances up your guitar to feel really fluid, a bit like playing into a Kemper, you know. Um, yeah, and you've got, yeah. they've, they've picked up their game and they've got Amplitude 5, which is like really super rocking now. And um, so, you know, if you want to record straight into the computer with a guitar software, it's like the premium thing now. So, you know, I could do it and people couldn't quite tell. I mean, I can tell. So I've got that, I've got the audience, and I've got some, I've got a really great mic the other day, um, which is an Austrian audio. Austrian audio, a company that were originally, what are the, um, oh, is it AKG? I think it's AKG. Um, oh, right, okay. Uh, and they, they those guys, and they've got this new company and they're making this really wicked stuff, right? So I've got this microphone called an OC18, classic kind of, you know, um, condenser. And, um, and I've been recording acoustic guitars with that. I tried plugging them all in. They sounded okay, but, you know, on DIs, but wasn't, wasn't the real deal. So I've got this, this, this mic, and it's really good. It really sounds really warm, really retro. So I've got really good acoustic sounds. I've got really good software setups, right? And then I've got all of the real amps as well, which a lot of people, that's what they don't have. So they're playing. I've got Kemper, right? <clears throat> Kemper is awesome, and I've modeled all of my Skankanansi amps into Kemper. Um, which you can actually get on the Kemper website. I gave them to Kemper. So there's a rig pack of all my skunk amps. It sounds absolutely fantastic. So I've got that. That's really good for demos, but I've actually got all the valve amps. So like you're looking around me, I think you could probably see in the background there's a Vox there that was an AC125, yeah. Marshall 800, Marshall 900. I've got Corporate Roadhouse. I've got the Koch um, Power Tone series. I've got all these. That different Koch stuff is sick. Yeah, you know which it depends what you use, right? But I've got a, I've got one a, on tour. I've actually got one made for me, a signature amp prototype, right? Which is really really good, and it, it, I mean it's very similar to my original Marshall eight hundred, which has got a really good tone. Very very similar to that, but with a few more kind of knobs and switches on it, right? But I've got the predecessor of that, which it was modelled on, which is the Power Tone three. And that's, that's really good. I, that, that's a nice all-round amp. And then I've got lots of pedals. I've got like um, the all-analog one, which is the Nexi board, which where you can pull all the pedals out and you can stick them in different arrangements. They just slot in. There's no wires, leads or anything. It's all true bypass. That's really nice. And then oh, I've got like a, a mini pedal board of stuff and I've got like boxes of pedals. And, you know, so it's all, it's, I've got the beauty of analog right and i can get all that into it and i've also got the beauty of like the digital stuff for really quick stuff overdubs demos and it's really compact right some nice converters got a benchmark which is a real old thing but it sounds really really good which all the stuff goes out through so home studio is rocking um been doing some collaboration stuff with kieran from prodigy you remember kieran yeah yeah i'm doing some of it with him too yeah with yeah. mark and stuff yeah, yeah it's gonna be yeah sick. yeah 
so um that's 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 kind of fun we're doing that fun stuff at the moment and then obviously doing you know trying to do the skunk demos at the same time which are more challenging because obviously you've got four people with different ideas you know uh, and ways of working actually yeah so is that kind of proving difficult if someone's going rather than kind of like hashing it out on the fly like we're saying with like the whole you know we're missing the human interaction yeah what's it like when someone's like cool i'll check that in a minute and like three hours later then they'll get back to you with like yeah it was cool or no that was shit well well <laughs> um i mean the thing is the way the way we're doing at the moment is we we actually recorded a lot of song ideas you know in the room right um with the iphone so we're working on those ones at the moment so they're That's all the it. sketches and the sounds and the chord sequences and everything's all there so we're taking that and then we're kind of putting it into into logic and then doing a drum track alongside it and then and building on top of it and then taking out the original iPhone track. So the actual ideas are there, right? But as a guitarist, obviously, say you're a bass player, you've just you really you've just got to do one track, haven't you? Or if you're a drummer, you've got to do one track. But as a yeah. guitarist, you have to do a, a whole bunch of them. And without a band around you and people giving you any kind of idea, you end up not quite knowing, you know, with sounds and parts. So, you know, ending up doing lots and lots of different stuff. So it's quite time consuming as a, as a guitarist. You can't just bash it out like you could if the band were around you. Yeah, I, I'm finding that same thing. I'm doing a um, session at the moment with um, um, my friend Georgia and uh, Brian Vigilante from the Dresden Dolls. Right, okay. You know, so I'm doing a kind of thing with them at the moment. And obviously he's in like California, you know, and the time difference to go like does this part work you know sound it uh bounce it send it off wait for him to come back with an idea that you're talking like a three-day turnaround for like a part yeah yeah well you know I mean, and it's, the way, it's the way wicked I'm... but it's like Ooh. well I'm, what i'm doing is i'm just going right there's there's 10 parts there yeah 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 choose choose the one you want but i'm recording them to a standard that could be mixed you know what i mean rather than because of the setup i've got here rather than here's a demo i'll do it properly for you i'm kind of going there you go you can cut which one you want and put it where you want in the song, right? And and oh, there's sick. there's there's six different parts. So between them, if they don't like any of them, it's like, well, what can I do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> see it. Bye. You do that it song. Then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Play it then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's no fun though, is it? No, no, no. It's you know. Yeah, it's like this. You know, I got. I'm doing this new project. Um, you know, part of this with all Patreon and everything like that, and again it's great you know i've got like i've managed in a, i'm in a position where i can talk to people get some great artists who want to work with me on this bits and pieces and i'm kind of building this super band and super team around me and it's really exciting but i just want to go for a coffee yeah yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and just go oh yeah let's do that and do that but instead the closest you can really get is like voice messages over whatsapp you know yeah and you're like you know, cool, you know. I, yeah you, you know what i do i know this is like really funny i think there's part of every there's a ritual to everything isn't there that makes it good right yeah and one of the things i do when i'm about to kind of like record some parts right say for instance in in my setup here um i've got one of those i bought one of those you know those starbucks big cups that you get uh, that are plastic but they look like the paper ones yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. you know with the refill ones right yeah, i've got yeah. one of those when i was driving and you know before and i used to pull up to the drive through and have the refill one right 
I've got one of those. So what I do is I, I make like a coffee in one of those. So it looks like I'm having a Starbucks, right? And then I take it here and I put it on my desk, right? And then I start recording. As I'm recording, I drink it and it makes me feel like I'm in the studio where you go, hey, can someone go out and get some coffee, right? And they bring you a Starbucks back. So that's part of my ritual. Right. You know, like that. Uh, or the other one is to, uh, you know, make it and get in the car and just drive around for half an hour with it in the car, <laughs> pretending that you've been to a Starbucks drive through. Right. <laughs> just drink it and then go home. Right. But I, I tell you what I have done, though. Right. So what, what I've been doing a lot lately, which I haven't had time to do, is listen to a lot of music. Right. So right. before I was, you know, for this period now, I was driving a lot and I was listening to um you know stuff in the car which is which is fine but you know you you miss a lot of detail right in the car it sounds great and you can turn it up right so but on headphones you can really kind of you hear stuff mm. you haven't heard before yeah you so, dial it in with your ear can't you yeah and i've got some seriously wicked headphones right? i've got some all d's headphones right i need some uh, decent headphones man i just use fucking beats believe it or not to uh, well this is it in the studio i've got all d's right so they're the they're these ones right oh wow they look they're, they're massive it's like giant things right um and these are called the lcd oh i can't remember lcd something right closed back ones right uh i think lcd2 right they're probably the best sound you'll ever hear in a studio they're incredible right and i've got some ones that are uh you know in-ear ones from all these which are open backed which is really unusual for in-ear headphones right how does that work so it means you can hear the ambient noise around you the background right so um, if you listen to open back headphones, it feels like you're in a room. OK, so if you go out for a walk and you listen to open back, you still have the sounds of, say, the car driving past and, you know, things like that. But you've got the music in your ears. So it feels a little bit like you're listening to music outside, but really, really detailed. Amazing. So I've been going for a walk like every day for like four or five miles every day of the week. And I listen to usually two albums a day of new stuff. Right. Because I've That's got well iTunes. Good. Right? Yeah. And I listen to it and I listen to it and I listen to it in two ways. One, to just enjoy music and two, to really study it. I'm always analysing music. I always have, you know, the sounds of things and, yeah, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And um, so I've been like consuming like for the last, well, since December, really, tons and tons of new stuff. And it's, it's one, it's a therapy because listening to music is really good for you. It's really therapeutic. Oh, yeah. It saves, saves my life millions of times. Yeah. Yeah, and two, it just makes you kind of like, when you go to write songs and stuff, you have this kind of like subliminal kind of, you know, knowledge that you've got from all of this musical kind of listening and tracking and walking around. So that's actually been one of the most positive things in my life in the last couple of months, I could say, really. That's awesome, dude. That's so, have you managed to check out any uh, Rocket Dolls Art of Disconnect album? I've, I've well you your last album i've got haven't i i've got that yeah. one i listened to that yeah i've listened to that that's wicked and i've got like Thanks, some of the stuff like also because because um uh you know itunes is in theory you only pay once and you can get millions of cds you're yeah. really willing to check out stuff you have no idea some stuff i go even just to look at a cover right but yeah, I found like you were stuff. browsing in real time yeah yeah and you know like for instance like um uh jamie lenman right Oh, God, he's a genius. His, his new album's amazing. I never knew Jamie Lennon was in Ruben, right, and all that stuff. I just was, that looks cool, that record. I'll just uh, snip it. Oh, there, it's good. I'll stick it on my list, right? Um, you know, uh, everything from that 
right you know really modern stuff um i trying to can't even think i was looking on my phone and i can't see what what i've been listening to properly um right up to i was so i went for a stage where i was listening to every brand new album i could on new releases that looked good or interesting right loads yeah. of alternative loads of rock a bit of some kind of you know dance stuff um and then i kind of got to the point where okay there's no new releases this week and i went going backwards into really old um kind of blue stuff so peter green peter green fleetwood mac all that lot i've been listening to all that kind of stuff this this week you know rory gallagher a bit of joe bonamassa because he's a good player isn't he you know but beth hart i love beth hart i think her voice is amazing um, and then Stevie I went, Ray Vaughan, you still on a Stevie Ray Vaughan trip? Uh, yeah, I am, but I've listened to so much of that. I'm, I kind of, I need to listen to stuff. I ha- These are albums I've not heard, right? Right, right, yeah. Um, and then Sleep, I got into Sleep because I was, you know, watching, looking at people's posts on internets and all sorts. Uh, yesterday, I listened to the remaster of Pink Floyd, The Wall. That was kind of amazing. Not listening to that for like 20 years, right? Yeah. And listen to it again, you go, my God, what a genius record that was. Do you know what I mean? Um you know and then just picking up playlists and i mean it's it's a it's amazing you know really i mean really enjoying it really enjoying it that's cool man i i have to say like that's one of the great things about being a press officer in pr is not even stuff that's released you just get you know by the nature of the beast you know people go like hey we got this where it's going to come out we want it to come out in six months time can you take a listen to it some stuff you go, oh, it's good. It's, you know, I can't work with it. It's not my thing. But the odd stuff you come across, you go, Jesus Christ, this is great. Yeah, I'm listening you know, to The Grey at the moment. I got the sent Grey? This, yeah, I got sent this record by, and, and a T-shirt and all this stuff by, by, via a friend of this band called The Grey. Right. And normally when someone sends you like a CD or something like that, it's usually not that good, is it? Right. No. Um, and I was like, okay, let's, let's have a listen to this. I put it in my car, you know, with my fake Starbucks mug. Um, <laughs> went for a drive with all the windows done up, you know, like, so nobody can infect me. And, um, <laughs> and turned it up, right? And it was awesome, right? The Grey is this band. They're from Cambridge. I don't know much about them, but they're like, um, they're stoner music, I would say, progressive stoner. They're very much in the vein of... Um, isis and those kind of bands oh sick okay yeah 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 like really kind of dark shit yeah yeah low tune stuff you know probably b whatever a b that kind of thing um slow heavy riffs lots of intricate melodies no vocals right a killer drama you know all that stuff three-piece band it's it's wicked i absolutely love it so i heard the first cd which is like an ep and then I kind of got into the second one now. They've got a new one out at the moment too. So yeah, my I'll recommendation. It, yeah, if you want that kind of thing, you know, if you like kind of ISIS and all those kind of bands, The Grey is just awesome. It's just brilliant kind of, just music. Do you know what I mean? You don't, Yeah. You just, you just absorb it. You don't have to think too hard about it. Yeah, yeah. Didn't you do some stuff with ISIS? No, no, I love ISIS. Well, I was listening to ISIS when I was doing the radio show back in the day in your, your land do you know i was thinking about this today before you came on the show and i was like how long i've how long have i been friends with a for and it's like dude it's gonna be it's like nearly 15 years <laughs> yeah 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 Fuck, it's, it's totally you know, exactly, you know, people, exactly people get less for murder you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly you're on you're oh, on the death row of friendship yeah <laughs> you could totally dude oh man so should we talk a bit about like some, you know, should we go back in time a bit? 
talk yeah, about yeah, some yeah. cool shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, I like I I like I'd like to talk about one of the first times that um um I really kind of understood guitar tone was um post orgasmic chill. Right. And the first song I heard off that was uh, on my hotel TV. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. With like the chromatic scale riff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it it blew me away because even now, and there's something about that record, and this is why I was interested to ask talk to you about it because there's there's a few things now that you can really hear the difference of how great things have been played to how chopped and perfected things are. Mm. I mean, obviously there's been, a, we've had a slow kind of thing with that, you know, anyway, but there's something about that album that is, I don't know what it is, man. There's something sonic, sonically mm. different about that record, especially in kind of, it sounds like the band is like just playing right in front of your face, but you can just, it's like you've got like magic ears and you can detail everything. Mm. Was that some, was there something completely different in the recording process? Because well, I remember, did, I think you remember telling me something about. Didn't you do it in New York? Yeah, we did it in Bearsville in New York, which was yeah. a big barn kind of studio. In, in when we say New York, it's like New York State, so not the city. It was like out in the kind of Woodstock, basically. We recorded yeah. it in Woodstock, and um, so it was quite a simple setup. We all in one room together, right? We separated all the instruments. Right. So there was like a guitar in one, a drum in the middle, big room. And then was skin was in a booth, calf was in a booth. So but we were all in the same room, if you know what I mean. So we could all see each other, but we were all in our little rooms. OK. Right. So then Andy Wallace, the producer. So first of all, they spent time getting good sound. So they mic'd everything up and they got it really, really good. Right. So it meant that we could play it live. We didn't have to start and stop. OK. Right. So then Andy Wallace, the producer, stood in the middle of the room with um, like a drum machine, right? It wasn't like a click as in the such, it was like a little drum machine where you just turn it on and off, right? Like a little analog thing. And so he'd start off the click and he'd count us in. And I can't remember whether we actually heard it in our headphones, right? I mean, Mark probably did, but then he would count us in like a conductor and then we would play the song live. The whole song would be played live all the way through, right? And then when we stopped, right, when we said, like, that's probably the take, because this is all done on tape, right? Well, so you say this was tape, right? Yeah. So you could, and it was like 24 track, okay? So you couldn't manipulate it, right? So, so, so once you'd played it, you'd played it, right? So then they, they basically, we, we'd get the song we wanted, we'd go back into the control room, and we'd listen to it all the way through, right? And we'd listen to, like, the drums, right? And if we go, we'd stop when we thought we had it, obviously. So the last take was probably the best one. Right. Listen to the drums all the way through and go, is there anything we need to fix? And if we needed to fix, we wouldn't drop in, you know, we'd probably cut it from the tape before. But you don't, you could only cut sections, like you could only cut like a verse or a chorus, you know, because it's tape, you just cut it and you put it in, right? So yeah. basically, Mark would get the tape usually within three to six takes of live playing, right? Then, then say we'd have that drum track, then we'd listen to all the stuff that goes with that track, right? Because it was recorded at the same time. And we go, right, is there anything we need to fix? So if there's a bit of bass we need to fix, we just drop in on it. Or a bit of guitar, we drop on, drop in on it. So we'd have all the rhythm guitars, all the bass, all the drums done. And we'd have like a guide vocal, which could be a guide or not, depending on how well it went. Right? Yeah. So 
so there you go we've got all it's live it's in the room it's in tape there's virtually no cutting on it right and it's all played together and it's all the good sounds recorded at that time we don't have to re-mic and go back and overdub anything right so then we spun it back right and then we do the second guitar on the top i go and sit in the control room and i just play the second guitar along to the track on the top and drop in and out where i needed to you know with my pedals or different sounds so usually what i would do is i I'd have one track in there and then I'd double it with a Telecaster. So start it on a Les Paul or something, double it with a tra- yeah. Telecaster. So, so, so there you go. You spun it back. You've got your two guitar tracks. You've got your, your, um, you know, your bass, your drums. They're all pretty much organic. They're live in the room. Then after that, Skin would do a vocal on it, right? She'd do a vocal to that track, you know? Um, and then after we got that, then we'd put in the guitar solos and the melodies. So we always put in guitar solos and melodies after we've done the vocals because we find what space we've got left in the song for that. So it's actually very, very simple. So when you listen to it, you you probably find that because it was all played together at the same time, you know, the guitars all hook into it. But then because it was instantly tracked, I mean, when I'm talking about tracking, it was like literally an hour or two after we'd actually done the main track, I'd put the guitars into it. So they would be tight and we'd still be in the moment and, you know, be set up. So that's why it sounds so organic. And the first one, two, three, first three albums are all basically kind of done like that, all on tape. Right. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, It's definitely a difference, isn't it, from from that stuff? I think, like you said, the setup time is like, nowadays you don't really fucking get a setup time. Yeah, yeah. Setup time was like two days. Two, right. two, two to three days to set everything up. I mean, even it was so meticulous, even in that album, Post Orgasmic Chill, Andy Wallace got in a like a luthier who'd set up all of the intonation, all of our guitars, the bass and the guitars, everything before we started recording, just so that we could just tune up and play. We weren't dropping in for anything. We weren't retuning or anything. We like everything was bang on, you know, the sounds, the instruments, everything. You know, so the, that guy was doing all the setups while we were miking all the cabs, getting all the drum sounds, you know, all that kind of stuff. But once it was done, you could just play an album. That was it. You just played, you know. And he conducted it in the room. And every now and then he'd turn the click off and he'd just conduct you like a, like a conductor in an orchestra until uh, he thought, oh, this is good. Now turn the click back on. And he turned the click back on and you kind of pick it up. So that's why the, the songs have got flow. They, they, they are originally done to start it off with a click, right? They go into passages and then they kind of come back into it. So that's why they don't, they're not rigid. Yeah, because it's got this beautiful, like, like wobble almost something with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. It's, it, it's, it breathes, it's that, doesn't that, it? Yeah, it does. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. And like you can feel the tension if you're about to kick in, like, like on my hotel TV when it hits into the riff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can yeah. feel the tension that it's kind of gaining with it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so it's so hard to be able to do it. Like the closest, you know, I'm I'm being very spoiled in my recording career. I mean, I've recorded at Air and British Grove and mm. Metware and stuff. Been very very spoiled in this modern day and age for the kind of nobody that I am. <laughs> so <laughs> you know and recording in um british grove where we did art disconnect we did it all in four days Mm. but we had to like rehearse 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 because the thing with that record we didn't we wanted to 
take influences from from things like that yeah and because we were working with um chris sheldon you know who's yeah yeah done like you, you done loads of skunk stuff as well in fact yeah. i was there wasn't i we went and we came to see you in the studio once and i yeah, think that you was did. that was in um Oh, that was in Livingston, wasn't it? Livingston Studios. Yeah, yeah. I That's remember because right. Skin came b- blinding back in the room talking about some dodgy taxi ride she just had. Yeah, and yeah, She was yeah. going, oh, fucking just had a fight with some guy in a ta- taxi. And I was oh, she like, always does. Always has yeah. an argument in taxi. <laughs> That's yeah. a, 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 a thing. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, that was, I think that was in Livingston, which is in Wood Green, I think, that, that, that time when you popped in. I'm pretty sure about that so yeah but even with the albums that we went we switched over to pro tools which would have been from uh when 2009 or something like this when we did wonderluster and from there we still play them live like we play them like they were on tape you know what i mean so we set up all the sounds we take time and then we play the song live and then we spin it back and drop in for um the takes that we need to take the only album that we got really experimental on was an album called black traffic where we thought hey let's try and do this a different way so we would record stuff sample it fly it back in you know change the sounds on it use plugins all these kind of things and it was it's, it's a good album it's, it's slightly different to the others yeah yeah it um, has a different and it was uh it was interesting because it was all people in the room at the time nobody was allowed to leave it was just all input that album um, so it was really good. But the last album we did with Tom Dalgetty, you know, did Raw Blood and stuff. Yeah, that we was... tried to get him for us, but he said no. <laughs> yeah, that was a breeze. That was like, that was got back to basics. It was the same thing. It was like in a room in, in uh, Rack Studios in, in um, what is that place? St. John's Wood in London. Right, yeah, and yeah. Uh, we just did it. It was the same thing. We set up really good sounds, but we didn't do, we played live together, but I just played through a Kemper for backing tracks i did all of the guitars after we had the drum tracks so i didn't i didn't keep any original live tracks on that album i actually redid them all afterwards in a different room interesting do you think there's something that's missing from today's um um albums where people aren't committing to sound beforehand because one of the things that I've always, always kind of stuck by, and I had a few disagreements with people about this when we did Art of Disconnect, because I wanted to, in my, you know, it's like, man, like I'm a songwriter and I've got a fucking vision in my head and it's got to be like this and it has to be like that. We have to cry and cut blood to be able to make this record. And we did, you know, it certainly sounds that way. And people like say, and I'm trying not to toot my own horn by this. I'm just, you know, I'm very proud of that record. You know, there's one thing I'm very proud of in my life. It's definitely that. And we use that ethos of playing live. So all the drums and bass, they're not like chopped. It's all recorded live. And then after, and just like you said, after that, then I did all the guitars. Well, that's where the energy is you see drums and yeah. bass where the energy is and the, and the vibe and you know you can always retract guitars because the guitars are guitars aren't they right yeah. but if you've got the bass and the drum locked in in the room they can see each other they they got the right feel that's where you get the real energy i think maybe some of that's missing in some of the stuff we're listening today um yeah. i think that some of the um you know some of the rock music i'm listening to does sound very linear because it sounds like they're they're using uh, too many plugins and digital modeling, you know, 
Kempers and, you know, and all these kind of like, you know, software for the guitars and all that. So it doesn't have any dimension in it. It doesn't seem to have any depth in it because there's no kind of air in the, the guitars and the recordings. Do you know what I mean? You can use digital stuff, but you have to be good at it. Do you know what I mean? To make it sound really real. But also yeah. a lot of people, they've grown up in the way where they have no reference to that. They've never made an album with proper mic'd up guitars in a room you know and, play through a marshall or a plexi or an yeah or things like that yeah. so they don't they'd have a reference point you know um also there's a lot there's quite a lot of budget stuff going on now a lot of people are mixing it at home in their own room and so they just use you know they've got no analog gear so they use a lot of plugins um and it tends to go you know it doesn't have space right and and it doesn't have depth you know but it's, it's some stuff's really good. Some electronic music is really good because they're using some really good samples and they've got space in it. And so it really pops. But some yeah. rock can just literally just be like, just flow over you, like literally like it's like a sheet of ice, you know. Yeah. So um, that's, you know, that's that's. But I suppose that's always been the same in recordings. There's always been brilliant ones and not brilliant ones. Yeah, yeah. totally, man. Well, it's like um, I think a lot of that has there's something that people do with mastering nowadays, mm. which seems to just like, they just fucking railroad everything on 10. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? And you're like, that's cool. It yeah. does a thing, but like, is it a pleasant thing? Well, mastering is, is mastering is, is different now, right? The relevance of mastering and loudness is different now because you know, I do mastering, don't you? And I've done mastering for years. Right? Yeah. You did our first record, man. Yeah. yeah so, so before it was about making stuff loud on a CD, right? Because people were putting it in their CD player against other records and it was popping out, right? <clears throat> you yeah. go into a club, someone DJs you next to Metallica, you want your record to sound louder, you want it to pop out more. It was all about mastering four CDs to make them sound loud and pop out wherever they were on the radio. People would have compression on the radio, but it still popped up loud, you know, things yeah, like yeah. that, right? Whereas now everything is streaming and they... they uh, um, you know, they control their limits, right? So it doesn't really matter if you master super loud or, or average or quietly, it'll still pop up the same on, on iTunes as it will on Spotify, right? Because they, they've got a level limit, okay? But the difference is, is if you master something really hot and really loud, you're going to lose your transients, your dynamics of your track, right? Um, and so if everyone's listening to them now at the same volume, because it's all been leveled by the streaming services, it may not sound as good because you've squished the life out of your track. Do you know what I mean? It's not going to yeah. sound any louder than anyone else's, which was the old point. It's actually going to sound the same volume, but more squished. Where someone who's mastered at a lower volume, they've got more dynamics, transients, their music sounds better. And it'll come up to the same level as your super loud one, right? Yeah. So the, the, the question of mastering now is, what do you want it? Do you want it to sound really loud or do you want it to sound it really good? In the old days, everyone just wanted it super loud. And that's what I was trying to do as well. I was all trying to push the limit, how loud I could get it without killing it. But the difference is I'm a musician, right? So <laughs> exactly. when I listen to stuff, right, I really listen to all of the music and the parts and the instruments and make sure I'm not compromising it. Whereas a lot of people mastering at home may not be musicians as in the such. They might just go, oh, I've got mastering and they just chuck a track in. That sounds good, sounds loud but they're not going, oh, has the snare drum disappeared? Or where's the, you know, why is the vocal squished in too quiet now? They, you know, you've got, to, you've got to listen to it as a musician, right, when you're mastering something. And then you've got to make your choice how loud you're going to push it before, you know, it um, 
you know compromises the track or it works for what you want it to do yeah man it's it's bizarre isn't it because i've noticed do you know what i've noticed it the most with the new architect stuff where it is just railroaded mm. like and on spotify it sounds shit the songs are great and i actually haven't been a fan of architects necessarily i, I really appreciate them and they're fucking amazing at what they do and especially they're brighton and I think Sam, the singers, his mum used to be my receptionist at my old doctor's, <laughs> you know, so that's quite funny. But yeah, it seems exactly what you're talking about here. It seems exactly what's happening there because I downloaded um, the album through iTunes mm-hmm. and and the stream to the even the ACC file is like night and day on a completely like it's it's like like this you're talking about it's just so squashed and like it's almost like it almost to the point where you're like even at low volumes you're like it just doesn't it's like too much you know i'm just like oh you know everything's too compact you know it sounds over loud yeah yeah it's too aggressive isn't it maybe yeah i think but on the mp3 of it or the acc file it's fine it sounds fat you know, so I'd be interested to hear that on the CD compared to the rest of it because the songs are fucking killer on their new stuff. Mm-hmm. And YouTube's another one. Like, you can really hear the difference on YouTube. YouTube compresses the shit out of everything. Well, this is it. But I think we're growing up in an age where people don't really care. They right? don't care. It sounds don't, good enough. Shit. Well, you, you, I mean, but then when you look at the parallel, right? Look at, say, what? I don't know, 30 years ago, right? Before CDs, I don't know how long CDs have been around. Probably be about that long, right? Yeah. Uh, so before CDs, people were buying scratchy vinyl, right, and they were playing it on those little suitcase record players, right? <laughs> shit needles, yeah. Yeah, right. All right. Um, uh, and that was good enough. That was what music we were listening to. Music that was great. We were getting off on it at that level, right? Um, and then we had like Walkman cassette tapes and people were like listening to stuff off cassette tapes on really, really low quality headphones, obviously, because head- headphones weren't advanced then. You know, even those little earpiece things that people used to get, right? They used to listen to records off their tape recorders, right? So the quality of sound then was 100 times worse than what it is now, right? Even with our YouTube compression and all this art. So, you know, we've got another age, a generation of people that are quite happy with that stuff, Right. But we've also got a subset of people like we always have who've been really into the good sounding stuff. You know, they buy the really expensive headphones. They have the good converter. They listen on Tidal. They they download the AACs. They buy the CDs. So you're always going to have that subset of people that like have audio quality in mind. And you're also always going to have the general consumption of the public, which is it's music. It's something I like. It's good enough for me. It's not their main thing in life. They're probably more interested in gaming than they are music. Most people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you know there was an interesting thing? There's a documentary on um, Netflix about gaming, about the gaming industry. Like they called it, I can't remember what it's called, something like the boom of the game. Yeah. Or, or gaming boom or something. And it was, they did a survey in this and they showed you all these stats from America and the United Kingdom where people felt that paying £80 for a game was better than listening to music for free. Oh yeah, yeah, I can see they, that. They they felt there was more value in buying the game than it was having free music. 
Yeah, I can see. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. My 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 son's not interested in music at all. No. He's more interested in gaming. He'll game all day and night. He'll buy he'll buy a Nintendo game for like forty quid, but he's he's not even got a playlist probably on his you know computer. How you know, old is game, he now? Fifteen. I gave him a stereo. He doesn't. He hasn't even turned it on. So it depends what people want, really. But yeah. that, at the same time, that's good that people are still prepared to pay for games because people just don't want to pay for anything anymore, do they? No. You know? Everyone seems to want everything for free, dude. Yes. Like... We're in that industry, aren't we? The music industry. It's yeah. like everybody wants everyone to work for nothing all of the time, don't they? The amount of times I get things through, they go. Hi, we really like the work you do as PR or like really love the co-writes you do. You know, um, we can't we can't pay the fee, but we can do this. I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's always been the same. But the music industry has always been about like that. It's about a leg up, isn't it? Everyone wants help. They want a leg up. You know, even if you look back in the past, it's like, oh, I saw a guy busking in the street. I financed his demo, all that kind of thing. It's all about that. But which is great if people are prepared to kind of give back. But a lot of times these days, nobody wants to do anything back for you. So, you know, you could do, you could do everything for nothing for them, get them as far as you could, but they're never going to do anything back for you. So you have to make that decision. Well, is this something I want to spend my time doing when I could be doing something, you know, that's more valuable for myself. Right. So for instance, I still do stuff. I still help people. I'm always helping people get to where they want to go. But at the same time, I don't expect anything back from it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. I, I do that a lot. I did like a lot of artist development stuff, you know, and then they go like, oh, we can't pay. And I go, it's, it's fine. You know, like, remember me when you're playing Wembley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. You know or, or just give give me a shout out when you're on BBC Radio 1, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thing, you know, the closest I've got to Radio 1 was Radio 2. <laughs> so, you know, it, yeah, it's... It's funny that, isn't it? There's seems I think it seems to be this generational thing where people don't want to work hard for it, you know. Mm. Where, where even um like I consider myself a pretty decent musician, you know, good singer, you know, I can write good songs, you know, just not people just people just don't like them. <laughs> Doesn't mean they're not good. <laughs> you know. Um mm. But, you know, I, I, I think I'm pretty decent on guitar, you know, and things like that. And I have a decent knowledge of stuff. But, you know, I've had to work for it. I haven't been that guy that picked up the guitar and it was like, oh, I can just play all the chords. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, it's, it, I've, I had to put six hours a day in when I was at guitar college. You know, I put in those hours a day, like mm. learning my stuff, learning my scales, you know, doing all that spent you know hundreds and hundreds of pounds on vocal lessons and things like that you know and people seem to think that you just picked it up one day and you can just go like, oh this seems to make sense yeah 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 you know? I, the thing is if we we for quite a long time now we've been living in society where um the glamour now is in in um youtube right and, oh, yeah. you know, and being a YouTube star and making films or being an influencer, being on Instagram, getting lots of likes. Right. And everybody thinks that, you know, because they see these people with all the lots of likes and they, they're all rich because of this. So that looks easy. I'll do that. I'll just make some films at home and I'll get millions of views and I'll be rich. Right. 
Well, there's a couple of things. One, you might be able to get millions of views, but you ain't going to get rich from it, right? For a start, right? So that's a myth, isn't it? It is a but, big myth, yeah. But it's like this this kind of like, oh, that looks easy. I should be able to do that. I'll make a film. But even, you know, even when you look into these YouTube people that have got millions of views, that's like a full-time job for them. They're like making films and cutting stuff up and doing this and doing that constantly all day. Like we would be going to work. Like someone said to you, you've got to work in a shop, right? And you work there 10 hours a day, every day of the week, right? You get paid for it. You go, I've got a proper job. I bust my ass. I'm, I'm getting some money. Same with those YouTube people, right? It's all on a chance. The ones that are usually the successful ones, they're doing stuff 24 hours a day, man. Those guys are making films. They're doing this. They're doing that. They're, you know, promoting it. They're doing everything they can, all their SEOs and all that stuff, right? Yeah. So in a way, they deserve it, right? I agree, actually. But yeah, there's only the a time. handful of those people. But what happens is the general public all go, well, that's easy, isn't it? I've just seen him on YouTube talk about uh, an online game. I could do that. Why am I not a millionaire? You know? Um, yeah. So, you know, so and one of the most interesting things I did recently is I went to Germany with a bunch of YouTubers, right? right. Uh, for a weekend, right? To um, kind of like, it was, it was they, they, they took uh, Toman, which is the biggest... Uh, kind of supplier in Europe, right? Yeah, yeah. And Toma's got like a village almost, right? Where they've got everything there. They've got their own, even their own like DHL plant there and stuff, right? In Germany. And it's got like the factory, it's got a showroom, it's got a, a, a center, it's got food, it's got everything, right? And it's like, it's massive, right? This operation. And so they invited all these YouTubers in to make films about all their gear, right? For their, so they invited the influencers from all over America and Europe. Okay, and they paid for their flights and their hotels. So they would like, for instance, say a guy that gets millions of views on his channel would come and review a guitar and an amp and a pedal in Toman in the building and all this sort. And obviously, it's going to get them a lot of publicity, right? So they paid yeah. for these. Um, and so that was the the objective. I went over um, as a, like a representative for PRS Guitars, so I could be interviewed in playing and so instruments in the shops, right? Yeah. So they sent a few of us over. They sent some artists over so the YouTube people could come to us and go, can you play this, you know, PRS guitar? I'll interview and I'll put it on my channel, you know. We said, yeah. okay. So there was a bunch of us there for that. Um, they were such a weird bunch of people. They were so weird. They were so self-obsessed, right? I'm not putting them down because that's what their job is about. It's, it's all about me, Right. YouTube personalities. You watch them on the channel. When you really analyze those people, it's all about me, right? That was what it was about. And so people were really weird, right? Like, like, like the way they interviewed you and stuff. It was kind of almost like really narcissistic. Um, and um, like, it was like, I'm more important than the product, the environment, the person I'm interviewing. Everything was like a secondary thing to what they were. And, and I also realized that a lot of YouTubers, um, they, uh, they, I know how they kind of function. They have their niche. So they wouldn't go, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this. They go, I'm only going to do these things because that's what I do. Because that's why people tune into their channels. Because they're not broad. They're niche. They go, this guy only talks about, you know, heavy metal flying these or something. You know what I mean? And that's, yeah. they won't veer off it. So a guy said, like, I'm not going to interview you because you're not heavy enough. Right. Not because you're a successful guitar player and you're here and all this stuff, but you're not heavy enough for my channel. And the guy goes, yeah, but listen to like Charlie Big Potato. That's pretty heavy. He goes, no, it's I'm not heavy enough. Heavy as fuck. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, but it's not heavy enough for you to be on my channel. 
where he could have gone, oh, okay, I'll tap into Skunk and Nancy with my ratings, blah, 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 do an interview with him, I'll put it on my channel, right? It could have probably worked for him, but he goes, no, it's not my thing. So you'd get that. Some people would just go, you're just not, you know, you're not in my zone. And other people would go, great, this fits, and they'd interview you and they'd stick it up and they'd get their views. But it was really weird. It was such a weird experience. But it was... um. The, the you know the competitiveness of them between each other was kind of off the scale you know it really was yeah it's funny because you do you know um the youtuber rob chapman yeah 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 i've opened for him a few times and he's really he's really nice to me uh you know if i saw him i'd be like yeah oh, i like rob yeah he's good you know but the people <laughs> that followed him <laughs> were just like a different thing and he was aware of it you know hmm. and he was like do you want to grab a like a coffee or something and i was like yeah and then he was kind of looking like and i was like it's cool man i'll catch you later <laughs> so yeah, i'll yeah. leave i'll leave you to the minions <laughs> it's, you know, it's, a, it's a it's a weird modern phenom- it is a weird modern phenomena it's a different type of fan base isn't it do you know what mm. i mean but you know everybody's i i, I don't disrespect it i think it's a really good thing you know it's an amazing thing it's just such a weird thing you know this is from my experience of the, of being there and the people was it was quite surreal it was quite desperate it was yeah. fun i did enjoy it i did enjoy it but it was you know um it was competitive it was quite desperate and it was really surreal <laughs> yeah it's it's yeah it's a very strange thing man um i think um I was going to say, changing the subject, what's the best thing you've done lately that's been actually actually good in this lockdown time? You actually done anything that you thought that was good? Yeah, I've written some fucking good songs. Yeah, okay. Um, I've started this podcast. Um, I've launched my Patreon channel. Um, I've um, my my girlfriend's pregnant. you know um with g june which is really exciting uh got a little girl and um um yeah i've i've actually done more session work in um in the last three months four months since october i've done more session work there and i started a job at bim yeah you know and i've rewritten the whole course um um yeah so i've done i've done a lot of really productive stuff that uh, lockdown for me has been very different to m- the majority of other people like because um i started lockdown with this complete conundrum you know i was in a really bad place with mental health mm. ended up in hospital um and i'm fine now i'm all good you know but i had an album that hit number 12 in the charts in the rock charts couldn't tour it so we had our australian tour cancelled we were going to play japan Mm -hmm. um we had france germany uh spain all gone um our biggest um tour like headline tour of uk gone and the thing is like um all those visas and things like that gone you can't get that back that's money gone you know and it was a really like weird juxtaposition because you had this big hype 
mm. you know we had you know like i said we got bbc radio 2 rock show and things like that and really people starting to kind of get like behind it and it was like becoming a thing it's like fuck it's gonna we think it's gonna you know my dream tour the world and do this record and it chart and all this stuff and that happened but you couldn't tour it you know and then um i finalized a divorce <laughs> as well at the same time <laughs> you know and then had mental health issues and all this other stuff and then it was like right i'm closing that up i'm gonna move in with my girlfriend up in surrey and um but before i moved in with my girlfriend it was all fucking shit you know mm. i had the record to hold on to and well, if i, I didn't, suppose if i didn't have that be, you know my life would have been fucked you know i suppose in only in in a positive way right the, in in the lockdown what it has done is it has given us all a bit of space though has given yeah. us a bit of space right because we've been more at home or you know all this kind of traveling stuff and things that we were really busy with has kind of gone out the window so in certain ways it's given you a little bit of space to kind of resurrect yourself and kind of put yourself in a new place whereas before you were probably too busy so like, oh, i've got to rush to this i've got to go to that i've got to do this i've got to go to you know Whereas yeah. now it's a bit like, well, I've got these things to do, but like after whatever, six o'clock or something, I've got this space or this weekend, I don't have to do anything because I have no tours. I have no this and that. So yeah. it, it, it's it, for me, it's given me a lot of space. Do you know what I mean? To kind of think about myself, what I want to do. Like, in, And you go through points where you go, you know, this everything's pointless. I, I, I don't want to do anything. But then yeah. get another wave where you go, actually, no, there is a point to everything. Because, um, uh, you know, I, I've got all this time to do it and, you know, things will change and I'll be so set up when when things change. So I'm very much in the mindset of like, I'm, I'm not pushing myself into like a, a crazy flurry of work all the time because I need that kind of space in my life now. But at the yeah. same time, I'm very much into the, you know, this will pass, but when it does pass, I'll be, I'll have all this stuff set up, you know, it's kind of yeah, like, you know, yeah even knowledge you know learning things and all that kind of stuff you know when it comes back i'll be way way better than what i was for what i'm doing do you know what i mean i'll be a better guitar player i'll have more songs i'll you'd be ready for this and that so you know lockdown has positively impacted on me in the fact that it's given me a lot more space and family time obviously yeah yeah i think it's funny because people go yeah and it is shit you know and i miss seeing my my brethren you know and mm. hanging out and having a coffee and what have you but you know i have been able to sort my mental health out i have been able to get my life in order you mm. know it's given me that that kind of um it is that space isn't it it's just giving yeah. you that and it's giving you a bit of time you know where you go like well okay well i don't have to rush to fucking you know you know i don't have to rush to you know about like oh we're gonna have to sell these tickets in australia and shit it's like that doesn't fucking matter actually yeah it's yeah, gone yeah. you know and because of the way of the world it will never happen again i don't think so it's like okay that's cool whatever you know so i i spent i've spent the whole time really working on me yeah 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 um the the only downside of of that is that i i have i'm on i say i have to take medication i choose to make uh mm. to take medication and people are like don't take meds they do this and do that but I've been more productive. I've done more work. I'm happier than I've ever been in my life since I've done that. The only downside is of the, the amount of meds that I'm on. The side effect is weight gain. <laughs> so it's just like, 
you know, well, so you know what you are you aren't you right and you're unique everyone's unique and you have to do what works for you to get you through right yeah. so what works for one person may not work for another right so we all know that meds and what lot are temporary things right so if you if it's what gets you through right to get you where you need to be when you get to where you need to be you'll be very it'll be easy for you to kind of come off them and then make a transition exactly. whereas if you need them and you deprive yourself it may not work for you right exactly but you're the only person who knows you you know you better than everyone else so that's where you have to make that decision right, right. and if it doesn't feel right you know when it doesn't feel right if it yeah. does feel right but everyone else is telling you something it's being a musician it's like someone telling you your song ain't good it's like well actually no i know if it's good or not right if it's yeah, not totally. good i'll work on it until it's right if yeah. if it's if it is good why should I listen to you? Because it's working for me. So yeah. I think you'd be, you'd be all right in that kind of sense, you know? I mean, what I've found is probably one of the best things for me is I'm getting to play loads of guitar again. Yeah. Right? And that is my well. best. That's, well, yeah, that's, that's my best, um, you know, mental kind of relief from anything, actually. I just, you know, I love playing. I'll play every single day. I'm playing lots of acoustic to build up, you know, my strength or whatever and the calluses i'm playing lots of electric in styles that i wouldn't you know in you know in styles that are just fun like blues solos so that's that's knowing scales and knowing the neck you know yeah yeah i'm learning to play seven string properly you know because i've never learned to play it properly i've only ever picked it up and played a couple of notes for a record so now i'm learning the scales on that properly you know and i'm using that now in in sessions that i would never have done before Right, You're going to bust I, any seven-string Skunk and Nancy riffs? Well, yeah, there's loads. I mean, the, the latest record is... The latest is record we, Yeah, um, uh, the, um, This Means War. There you go, that's tuned down to B. So there's a classic seven-string riff, right? And I've written loads of new riffs for Skunk in seven-string. I've been recording stuff with Kieran. I'm using the seven-string in a sense that I would have used a six-string, but it's tuned lower, right? So I'm not yeah. using it like... I'm, I'm going, oh, I've got these extra lower notes. So navigating the fretboard is, is that. So I have, to, I have to practice those scales. Playing more acoustic, as I said, strings get harder. Getting out old guitars. I got my 1976 Les Paul out the other day. Ugh, the black like, one? Uh, no, the, 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 the black one is a 90s one. That's the classic one, but the, yeah. I've got a 1976 one, which is really seasoned. So I've been right. playing playing that you know like like to blues stuff it sounds like classic classic blues oh, dude, you know? yeah. so there's fun there there's a bit of learning right there's a bit of work right and um you know all that is like maybe i'm playing i don't know a couple of hours a day if that maybe a bit longer if i'm recording yeah. uh, i didn't have that time before it's absolutely brilliant and it really levels me as a person it makes me really happy inside and it makes me a lot calmer and I don't get uptight about stuff. And when you're playing, you just switch off. So all of a sudden yeah. you've got this switch off, you know, circuit that you can literally diffuse yourself from any anxiety for a bit. And that, yeah. that's very hard to do without, without playing guitar for me. You seem a lot happier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm always all right, to be honest. I'll always yeah. Be all right. yeah. <laughs> it's the chocolate pockets. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's, it's, it's all a bridge with the sunroof. My new car doesn't have a sunroof though. So what when the I'm fuck, driving, dude, when I'm driving bad. down the motorway, I can't go like that, <laughs> you know, like I used to when, you know, when, when tomorrow comes, gets on, oh, dude. you know, that kind of thing. That was the one, wasn't it? That was the tune. I but never yeah. will forget when you played me the new Deftones record in your car. And I honestly thought I was going to die. Like, it yeah, was just you know what? so loud. <laughs> and the new one is really great as well. Ohms. That's one of the ones I'm listening to at the moment. I haven't so heard it one. yet. 
Oh, it's fab. There's there's some there's a, some great riffs in that, like really really good stuff. So you know, I, I love the Deftones. That's what's saying the grey. The grey are very much on that trip. You know, that low yeah. kind of riffy stuff like that. So. Yeah, for me, being surrounded by music. But you also have to have a grip on reality. We all know that at the moment, music's not making any money whatsoever, right? So what you have to do is go, what makes me money so I can survive, i.e. have a job, right? And get through this period where it's a dry period for musicians where we can't go out and gig and we can't make any money from it. But what we can do is write and record songs at home ready for that. But be clever with it, you know? I try and get a job at the same time that you can physically do both. Right. Yeah. And then when it opens out again and we all go on tour, that's when we can all kind of quit our jobs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like go to, be rock you know? stars again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah, man. Well, what about, you know, can we talk some guitars? About yeah, some yeah, guitars? Because yeah. it's very rare nowadays, especially. And I was having this conversation with a buddy of mine um, the other day about iconic guitars. Hmm. It's very rare that you get a modern iconic guitar. Yes, right. You know, it's true. I mean, maybe it's because we need the test of time, right? Um, for, you know, we're still all in. Look, I mean, look at behind me the shapes, the single cut shapes of the Les Paul and all that lot. Even if you can see that one where my thumb is now, yeah. that's a um, what's it called? A, a Myra PRS Myra, which is very similar to a, a, a little Les Paul Junior, right? So right. you, you, the, the shapes of the guitars really are, are stayed there forever, aren't they? Telecaster, Stratocaster, even PRS have got the Silver Sky, which is basically looking like Stratocaster. Right? Yeah, I've got one. I've got one. It's, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's really hard to break out of what people like, right, with shapes. I, I would say a guitar that's slightly different shape that may become a bit of a classic is PRS have got a, a one called a Vela or a Vela. It's V-E-L-A. That's a great guitar. Yeah. Sick guitar. Yeah. So I've got one of those and I've got the Vernon Reed signature, right? Which is the gold one, right? Yeah. The gold colored one. And, and, and that's really fab. And I really like the shape of that. I like the way it plays. And I think it really suits the headstock, the shape of the body and all that kind of stuff. Right. That may become an iconic guitar in the future. Who knows? Yeah. But, you know, we're so stuck in our ways, aren't we? Of what, what shapes we really, really like. Um, I've got another one, which is Starla. That's a really nice guitar with a Bixby on it. They, they may become a bit of a design classic. That's a PRS yeah. guitar. Yeah. You know? Well, I suppose like probably the closest thing to that is probably Matt Bellamy's Manson. Yeah, yeah. Mikey from Skindra has got a Manson as well, hasn't he? Oh, yeah, dude. That guitar's yeah, sick. Orange one, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, that, that thing fucking rips. Mm. I think that he's still com- looks he's like a Telecaster though, doesn't it? It's like looks... um like a bloated Telecaster. Yeah, so it still looks like a Telecaster, whereas a Vela kind of is quite original looking. It but, is, you know, yeah. I mean, some of the classics, though, I mean, I've got a Firebird, you know, which is, that's a great classic looking <laughs> guitar. It doesn't play amazingly, but it looks amazing. It, you know? yeah, it looks sick, yeah. So it's like super sexy, isn't it? And, um, you know, I really, I, I mean, Gibson Explorer, that's a great classic looking guitar, oh, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's like, you know, you, you think Explorer, you think Hetfield like like that, don't you? Yeah, and I think yeah. Cheap Trick. Cheap yes, Trick, yeah, right? totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and the Edge, right at the beginning, the Edge was playing the Explorer, wasn't he, all of the time? Oh, yeah, the natural coloured one, natural mm. wood one, yeah. Yeah, man. So is the, that gold um, uh, PRS behind you, single cut? 
Yeah. Is that your custom custom? Yeah, that was made by Custom Shop USA. So I had to wait for a year for that, right? Oh, dude. And the, the difference is the specs on that are... Uh, it's obviously like a mahogany body and maple top and all that type of stuff like they would do with a, a gold top. But um, the pickups in there are 5708. So it means 1957 original wire made in 2008, right? So they, they're like proper vintage sounding pickups. They've also got coil taps on them. So I can make them into single coils. Oh, six right? and get that telly thing going on. Yeah. Uh, and, and then um, the I got the wraparound bridge on it. So that was like a, a good feature at the time. So that, that, that bridge on there. Then I had a custom thin neck, right? Because that kind of model of guitar usually has a wide fat neck. And so I've got a wide thin neck, but I think they, they personally made that one neck i don't think it's off a production line because i've got wide thin on my other guitars and it doesn't feel like that one so it's really really comfortable then the headstock is black with the gold emblem on it which you don't get on that kind of guitar either they do like a natural yeah. wood or a dark wood or something like that so i've modeled it on the fact of like a bit of a 50s les paul gold top yeah right? yeah the original old pickups from the 50s you know and it had a black face on the headstock not a lot but with the modernness of the prs guitar and to be honest it's the best guitar i own hands down really? sound to play everything about it the weight the, the whole lot it, it it sounds like um if you just plug it straight into a marshall kind of 800 or something it sounds like poor costs off you know free all yeah. right now lots of tone really woody really old vintagey kind of style Cut you know, through. Yeah. yeah and if you put a distortion on obviously it sounds really good because it gets really really fat um but then if you go on to the neck um uh pickup you know it's it's very kind of when you listen to those old blues i mean anything from gary moore that's what it sounds like gary moore's les paul it sounds very similar to that he's got that peter green les paul isn't he from 1959 yeah greeny yeah and and it sounds Kirk very it's got it now yeah, I played it. Uh, no, no, I played. I played the the copy that he had made when he he had some prototypes made of it just before he died, and I played that one with him, um, uh, and and I I get it. I know what that tone was, right? Yeah. So it's it's that kind of thing. It's a classic, classic sound, and it can go all the way from sounding like Gary Moore, right, right up to say Guns and Roses' Appetite for Destruction. You know? Oh yeah, just it's like even got thick. that. It's even got that kind of sound on it if you've got the right amp and driver, you know, Marshall 900 or something and, a, you know, a tube screamer on it. It'll sound very, you can get it to sound very Slash, but that's what Slash is about, you know, he's into that old tone as well. So, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing. I love it, that guitar. Yeah, man. Do you take it out on the road with you? I've not been out on the road really since I've had it. I mean, I did, I did do a couple of shows. I think I did a few shows and then that was it. But on the road, I've got a whole, I've got a whole stack of um, single cuts. They all, all look the same. They're all set up the same. They're just different tunings. Are they like the more like road dogs type of thing? Um, yeah, they're pretty new now though. So, so um, you know, I used to have all different guitars, right? You used to have this one for that and this for that. And it was brilliant. But they had different volumes. They had different necks. They had different this and that, right? So what I did is I got a Tremonti signature, which I play, which I've had for years, which I love. It's my favorite. I remember when you got that. <clears throat> That was awesome. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So I've got that, right? So I've got that Tremonti signature and it's got 5708s in it and blah, 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 right? It's all set up like, like that gold top, white thin neck. So I play that all of the time. Then I had my Ace signature made, which was modeled off that guitar that I'd modified. So the modified Tremonti, Tremonti, the Ace signature from PRS was made in that style. 
right? So what I did is I got three of those and then I just souped them up a bit, put 5708s and chain the tuners and all that kind of stuff. So they're all basically the same as my original Tremonti, right? Yeah. And then I just tune them in different tunings. So every time I change guitar, it's like there's no difference in the, wet, the, the feel, the action, the neck, anything. The only thing that's changed is the tuning of it. Right. So it's really good to play across a show because it just works across the whole show. So you've got, you know, I've got four of them in a box. They go out on the tour and I just play those now. And it's really good. And it, it's really uniform. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I play live, I've got, you know, the, the it's great when you get experiment because I'm a massive Ian Thornley fan. So from Big Rec. So it's great because he plays lots of different tunings. So naturally I do like on the art disconnect alone, it's like drop C, then there's open C, sus two. There's open B, sus2, uh, drop B. Then there's, um, I think there's, um, it's in, oh, there's open F sharp major <laughs> and things like this. And it's like wicked. You can do all this stuff. And then you're like, fuck, I need to go out and play it. And well, this is it. I try to keep it simple. I try to keep it a bit simpler than that myself because I'm doing so many gigs in different places. Also, what happens when you fly in for a gig and you can only take two guitars? You see, that's that's yeah. that's another problem. What I do when I get to that stage is I've got a Digitech drop pedal, which just drops it because I just do them in standards. So I've got E and I've got a backup E and I've got a D and I've got a D sharp. Right. So I've got those. And then obviously got seven string, which is a B, which I can't do on a on a normal single cut. It's that one there behind me, that that PRS. Though. Are we going to see an, uh, um, a signature A seven string? PRS not thing. yet not yet no i'm in the thought so not not for a while i have to learn to play it first actually <laughs> dude it won't take you long i bet you're a fucking sick one on there already you know well i've I've been learning the scales yeah i was sitting watching ink master last night with it on my lap playing scales see this is the thing isn't it the secret of success and the musicians is people that don't stop yeah, yeah, I just, I can't stop, you know. Yeah, you just keep on putting that time in. You know, I've been playing for years and years and years and I'm still there sitting on the sofa at night learning scales, you know. Even yeah. I was learning them in the daytime as well, but I just thought, you know what, if I just sit, it's like the way I learned to play bass originally, right? I, I you know, I, I admit this. I put a Nickelback album on, right? First I Nickelback, love Nickelback album. I, I first... fucking love Nickelback. I'll defend them. Well, if you listen to the first Nickelback album, it's all dong, 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 dong. And I learned yeah. to play with a plectrum, right? Just sitting with a bass, not plugged in, not listening to any notes, but just put my finger on the strings and playing rhythms, right? To that record, just play all the way through. While I was listening to the record, doing something else, just, just playing just like that. And it got me into the, the feel of the strings, the different, you know, spaces between them, you know, playing yeah. with a pick. And that's where I learned to kind of play bass. And, and, you know, I do the same things too. I do, I, I'll sit there with listening to a record, but I'll just have a bass on my lap playing with fingers just, just to get the timing. Cause the notes are easy. It's the spacing of the timing. So I'm always doing something, you know, and, and I don't stop, even though I've been playing for years and years and years, I don't kind of go, well, I'm good at that now. I'll have a rest. I just, you know, I don't give it up. Yeah. I think that's the thing with it, isn't it? It's winners never quit. Yeah. 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 That old adage. I always use it to people, people, you know, um, when people are like, oh, how do you do this and do that? And it's like, you just got to keep doing it until it's right. Well, and you know what? The difference is between successful people is someone sees something, they go, I can't do that. And then that's the end of it. Other people go, I can't do that, but I'm going to learn to do that. Yeah. That's the people, you know, so I can't do that computer program, you know, Photoshop, whatever, but I'll learn to do that. I'll look at tutorial, I'll download it. And they learn to do it and they get to where they want to go. 
other people just go oh, it's too hard i can't do it and that's that's the ones that are held back whereas you know a successful person will always look oh i need to i need to do new skills that's what i've done in lockdown i've learned photo editing i've learned a bit of film editing things like that that i've needed to do i've, I've just taught myself online tutorials simple yeah, that's exactly what I've done, you know. Um, I'm also into a lot of, like, psychology and history and things like that and uh, science. So I'm always trying to keep active, you know, um, from that stuff. I suppose that's the kind of thing from after doing a master's, I realised that there's an element of learning that I really enjoy. Yeah. You know, uh, separate to music, you know. So I, you know, educate myself to a way that I could use in all things all the time helps things like this like be able to sit and present and feel comfortable on camera and all sorts of you know shit like that but yeah there's that thing of at the beginning of lockdown i couldn't use um logic didn't yeah yeah now i'm bouncing sessions off to people around the world and working for people remotely that's really weird i i thought you would have been like on logic years ago yeah do you know what it's one of those things right everyone it just passed me by you know every time I went to you know go like oh I'm gonna get into that someone would go I'll just come over to mine and we'll do it that way it's so simple though isn't it logic is like so simple once you get into it yeah once you kind of lift the hood up and you kind of look at the engine you're like oh is that it you're like okay cool and people like oh you need to get this plug in and get that plug in it's like I'm gonna try and master or not master you know I'm not gonna you know never get to that level but I'm going to try and understand what every, how everything works in context before I start getting plugins. Well, you know what? I, I've got some really good plugins um, in the last few weeks, actually. I've been, you know, I've had a lot of stuff for years, you know, and they've got all these great ones. They're really good. And then you save all your presets because they've got so many knobs on them and all this stuff. But mm. Waves have got a sale on. And um, so I thought I'd try some stuff out. I bought the One Knob series. It's fantastic. It's got one knob. You just One put it on. Series. Yeah, you, you put it in its cycle. You can buy it for about 50 quid or something at the moment from about 350 or something. It's in the sale. And um, uh, basically, you just got like compressor, reverb, whatever. It's got one knob. You just put it on. You just turn it up until it sounds good. Right. It's amazing. It's like the quickest, most creative plugin tool I've ever used. The other thing was I bought the Chris Lord Algae series of stuff right and that's like for instance vocals right you put you it's one plugin but it's got a few parameters and just very simple it's just like compression um you know one knob on it for each one you know delay reverb so you go i'll just compress it a bit i'll put a bit of delay i'll put a bit of reverb and you just push them up and it just sounds fantastic rather than putting on six different plugins with 20 different parameters and all that type of thing so some of these new preset kind of plugins that are being released are really good so there's like obviously chris lord algae is one of them um i think eddie kramer i got some of that kind of stuff but uh, jj puig has got one as well he does the black crows and all that you can just chuck it on and it'll just cover a whole bunch of things you take your preset or oh, rock guitar to press the preset oh, i have a bit of this bit of that and just push it up and it works so they're really good <laughs> if you're gonna do stuff quick and it's creative and also any plugin is good if you've got a good ear yeah. yeah right if you, if it sound I, I always come back to this one thing with everything does it sound good yes or no yeah 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 exactly exactly you know, do you like it yes or no like really simple shit not like um how do you think the frequency cut from a fucking sub <laughs> yeah yeah it's like fuck all that i don't care i just want to know is it good and i'll move shit around and mm. understand what i like and don't like about this particular tool that i'm using you know yeah yeah it's, it's the old joe meek thing isn't it if it sounds right it is right that's yeah. what he said 
yeah yeah that's it yeah totally man yeah well dude i'll i'll let you crack on with your day you know yeah. it's been sick hanging out you know we're as close as we can <laughs> to yeah, hanging exactly. out thanks for taking the time to come on the show um i really do appreciate it man um before you go where can people find you on socials oh you know what uh, let me think I've, i've made a new web which is quite fun it's i called it an info temple right it was actually made because i wanted to do some stuff with some students so i just put everything about me on it so it's got all of my films all my videos all of my press everything about all the whole of the skunk kind of ace career it's all there so that's that's ace skunk um i just made a new youtube channel actually this week right because um I wanted to save stuff that I see on the, uh, you know, of skunk, right, on the web. So what I did is I made this channel and I've managed to kind of locate some wicked live stuff, all of our original videos, right, to good quality, a bunch of videos I did teaching guitar and a bunch of videos that I really like listening to, bands that I'm listening to at the moment that I was talking about, The Grey and Jamie Lenman and all that. I've stuck them on there. So that's just Ace and Nancy right so if you find that on the youtube channel it's it's got loads of cool stuff on there i'm just create cur- curating playlists in there as i go um bit for me really just so i can go back and watch what i want to watch but that that's got quite a good insight to about my music stuff i'm into yeah. you know and then and then you know the evil socials obviously um it's <laughs> fucking hate them yeah ace skunk and nancy and uh i think it's skunk and nancy official is the instagrams you know, yeah. my Instagram's really boring. It's just like all gear, like lots of gear and music. Great. And there's no food. Be. There's no food pics on there. You're allowed to, if you see a food pic on there, well, there might be one. I think it's my, I think my one food pick is when skin cooked me breakfast. So that's allowed. It's like, this that's is my right. breakfast. Yeah, it was cooked right. by skin. But um, yeah, it's my Instagram's just about, um, it's just fun stuff. It's just guitars, pedals, amps, uh, and stuff like that, really. All stuff yeah. that I like doing. Excellent, man. And also, just quickly, we ha- I have to mention this. I was going to mention it. Had a little note to talk about it, and I don't know where the note is, and I forgot about it until he just said now. Is that you released a solo record many moons ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you also had another band called Inner Mantra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we going to see another Ace record? Are we going to see another Inner Mantra record? Mm, probably not at the moment uh, because I'm doing the skunk one and I find it really hard to do and I'm doing Kieran stuff you know yeah um so uh, it'll be really hard but saying that my love is stoner music right so uh, I could I could either go I'll collaborate with someone else on a record right or um I could make if I did make another record it would be really really heavy stoner slow heavy stoner music it'd be like pure indulgence you know valve amps tuned down guitars massive riffs that, that's the kind of thing i would do but you know what it's like to write a really good album it takes ages you know absolutely ages. Ages. yeah yeah like when i did art of disconnect i think we had 50 51 songs or something yeah yeah and narrowed it down to the best 13 you know whatever yeah. ratio that is you know so it's 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 long people don't you know that no one sees them with that any days because you don't have b-sides and shit I mean, I'm I'm quite happy with like what I put out in Skunk. You know, that's enough for me as an artist. That's a lot of work. You know, albums, touring, so full on. It's enough for me. I, I'm quite happy enough not to have to make a solo album. I haven't got that kind of. Oh, I'm not. You know, got my creative outlet. But if I was really, you know, 
bored for a while and I had nothing to do. Yes, I would. I mean, I've, I've been writing lots of riffs and all that type of stuff. So let's see. But, you know, it's not going to happen soon. You know, not not without collaboration in, you know, I don't want to do it at home. If I was to do a record, I'd do it with people in a studio. Of course. Yeah. It's got to be a physical thing. Yeah, yeah, because they got to feel the mighty riff when it comes out of those speakers. They got to feel that. They can't just go, oh, I listen to it now. And they listen to it on their iPhone without even headphones in it. Yeah, I'm just listening to your stuff. And they listen to it at the speaker on the phone. I'm like, I'm going to kill you. You are not allowed to listen to my riff through the speaker on an iPhone. Right. So that's that's what they do. That, they have to feel the weight, the might. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's it, man. That's it. Well, I'll have to give you a call when I'm tracking guitars for my new record. You'll have to come and play some riffs on it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Some, some big chunky riffs. <laughs> All right then, awesome. dude. Cheers, man. Well, Ace, thank you so much for coming. Really Pleasure. appreciate your time, dude. I'll see you soon, man. See you later, man. Cheers. Check out the Nikki Smash Show only on Patreon.